Well, amen, and thank you, Bernice. That was wonderful. I'm going to grab my stuff over here. All right. Okay. So, when we last talked about David and Samuel and Saul... David, who had been living in the caves, he decided he didn't want to live there anymore. He didn't want to hide for his life. Saul has been hunting him with armies. And he says, I can't live like this anymore. So he goes and lives with the Philistines. Now, the Philistines are the enemies of Israel. They're at war all the time. The Philistines live against the coast and against the Israelites. So if they want to grow, which people tend to do, they're going to need to fight. And so David has run to the hands of the enemies, the Philistines, and he's actually become a mercenary fighting for the Philistine king. And David is going to have to go to war against the Israelites. Remember how last time we talked about how it's sometimes the decisions you make may not have been a sin, but they don't lead you to good situations. David's decision did not lead him to a good situation. And he's going to have to go to war against the Israelites. Now, the king of the Philistines doesn't actually trust David in this situation. Who would, right? And he's worried that he might flip-flop from sides. So he's going to put him as his personal bodyguard. Now this lets him do two things. One, David's not going to be involved in any direct fighting. So he doesn't have to fight his own brethren directly. And also lets the king keep his eye on David. All right, so that's where we're at. Now Samuel, Samuel's dead. That's one of the most important Portions of this chapter, right here. Samuel was dead. Samuel had been Saul's advisor since the very beginning. He's the one who laid his hand on him and said, you're going to be king. He was there through it all. He was there saying, this is what's good, this is what's bad. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, he was there saying, this is how you should reign. He was there when Saul's, uh, when when uh, Saul stopped listening to God and said, I'm going to do things my way. And, and Samuel said, well, I'm going to have to pull my support from you. You're no longer the anointed one. I'm going to put David as the anointed one. Samuel's been through it all. But Saul no longer has a Samuel in his life. He no longer has that advisor he can turn to. I'm sure there are other advisors in the court. There are probably a whole bunch of people that will, you know, with brown noses that would just say, whatever you say, King Saul, you are the king. But that support of Samuel, his number one advisor, is gone. 
How many of you guys remember that moment in your life when you've gone through moments like that? When you're, you, you're up against something and you realize you don't have the support you used to? Whether it was be like when that moment when you left home and you went away to college or you got that home by yourself and all of a sudden your parents aren't there no more? Or how about that spouse? Some of you lost your spouse and you realize that that one who's been your, 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 your stone, your rock, your helper isn't there anymore. Or that, that moment when you, you had realized that you didn't know who you lost all your friends. You moved to a new town and you, all your support group was there. You're all by yourself. How scary is that? How, I mean, that's a moment where, where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. How many of you guys remember that moment? If you don't know that moment, you'll get there. Because that moment is scary. And Saul finds himself in that moment where he's like, I don't have Samuel. He's dead. All of Israel has already mourned from him. He's buried in the ground. It's not like he just did. He's buried in the ground. He is dead. And then we have this, this another now. Now Saul has expelled all the mediums or the necromancers and the spiritualists from the land, which was probably at Samuel's advice based on the book of Deuteronomy. Get rid of these people. They're turning you away from the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel. But Saul doesn't have that Samuel and so he starts to say, I, I, I don't have that person to turn to. I don't know who I'm going to turn to. And, and the first thing he does, I like the first thing he does. He says, he comes, he inquires of the Lord. He gets out, he's praying. Lord, what am I supposed to do? <coughs> that's the first thing, that's the first thing we're taught to do, isn't it? Pray. First thing you should do, and, that, and, I'm, and this is the first thing you should do. He does right with this. Prayed. When we have trouble, we don't know what's, we don't know where to turn. The first step we should take is prayer. Now he's praying, and he says, "I, I didn't receive any dreams," which means he didn't get an answer to his prayer. He, he cast the ermine the and the thurum, which is the the casting of the lots, the special stones that they had. He says, "I." And he even talk to the prophets, the, the ones that are supposed to be. Now, notice who the prophet's not there. Samuel, he's dead. Now, one of the things prophets have, and if you look back at the history of Israel, you'll notice that the prophets, there's two groups of prophets. See, there's God's prophets, and they usually are outcast and hated and hurt. And then you have the prof, court prophets, and they're usually yes men. Yes, God's going to bless whatever you do because we get paid by you. And so he turns to the, the prophets and they don't have any answers for him either. The God, man of God is, is gone. He's turning to these other prophets and they're like, we don't have any answers for you. But he does know that he's facing an army that's better equipped. They're against the sea, which means they're involved in sea trade, which means they've got better weapons. They've got better armors. They've better trained soldiers. They've got a larger army at the time. 
and he's scared. And he's not getting any answers. And so where does he go? But you know, when I think about, you know, he, he, the first response was to pray. And that's the first thing we do. How many of you have been in that situation, right? We pray and you say, God, I don't hear you. He's like, God, are you even talking? I can't hear you. Am I talking to myself? Where are you, God? You know, the Psalms are full of that passages where they're like, I don't hear you, God. What are you doing? They can make you doubt your faith, can't it? They say, well, I don't even know. Am I, is this real? Is God even real? These moments are scary. And so I asked myself the question, why did Saul's prayer not get answered? Because we know it was heard. I mean, think about what the Bible tells us about God hearing prayers. You're a sinner, he hears your prayers. You're, he says, if I'm at the pits of the grave, you hear my prayers. If you're The sinner on the, the person on the cross, the thief, the murderer, he hears your prayers. It's not about God hearing you that's the problem. But you're not hearing the answer. And Saul here, now, as I look at Saul's life, I think what's going on in Saul's life is that he has become a man who is exceedingly religious. He's following all the right words. He's doing all the right things. But there's no substance to his faith. He's shrinking further and further away from God. That's a theme in the Old Testament. It's like if I say, well, I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm saying my prayers. But it's just because I'm getting it off my checklist. We've talked about those checklists, right? If I'm doing it just to get that check... It's all about religious form. It's about that, that thing because I, I, I'm a religious person. Some of you might even be here today because it's the religious thing to do. You don't actually want to hear from God. You're not here because you like community or because you're not joining us online because you want to hear God speak to you through the word or, or sing a song or you're here because you got that check mark going on it's a religious thing to do and it, you know what I'm glad you're here anyways but God is not going to speak to you you're going to be here God when you're that's your attitude your attitude is going to be well I'm here to get that check mark and all you're going to get is that check mark. And so, like, he's, he's doing the things. He's got 
the, the, the religious form. He's, he's doing the church thing. He's got the sacrifices going on. He, he probably went to and prayed at the altar and, and washed himself ceremony. And he did the things he's supposed to do. But he's not been here because he's all form. He's not hearing from God. He's not expecting it. He's the king. He expects to be answered because he's the king. But when I think about myself, well, I'm not the king. I know that. You know, sometimes we get a little selfish. But what else might our prayers not be answered? I think about that. I think one of the things that gets on our ways is our priorities, right? What are our priorities? You know, sometimes our prayers are not answered because the reason we're praying is wrong. You want God the candy machine. God the vending machine. Say my prayer, B2. I want my Snickers now. <laughs> God the Santa Claus. I've been good. I really, really wanted that BB gun. Praying out of vengeance, right? Our priorities are wrong. God, I pray for my enemies nightly. Please pour boiling vats of hot liquid on their head and break their branks and the car break down and kill all their cats. <laughs> that's not how God works. He's not, you don't pray for vengeance like that. That's not God. That's outside of God's priority. What should be your priority when you pray? I tell you, it's not to speak in tongues and to show everyone up. It's not to show how good you pray. It's not, God, I beseech thee, because we've got to speak in King James English when we talk to God, apparently. I beseech thee. It's our priority. It's not, not turning God into a voodoo doll. Or, our view of priority when prayer should be communication with the Father. That should be our priority. Not getting something out of him. Not turning your life around. Not, not even getting the thing that you really desire. It's about communication. Will he bless your life? Absolutely. We follow him. But our priorities should be communication with him. You talk, lay down your spirit, your, your complaints, your fears, your doubts, your hurts, your joys, your, your desires, your blessings, your, your, your soul, your blood. You talk. He talks. Of course, you have to listen. When he's talking, you got to listen. Not just one way thought. You ever, how many of you guys have had that relationship with that person that they do all the talking and you don't get to say a word? And they're like, why didn't that friendship, they usually are clueless. Why didn't that friendship last? Well, because you did all the talking and I didn't get to say a word. And you, but we treat God the same way. I'm doing all the talking. You're not allowed to talk. This is my time. And we want that relationship to last. That's not how that works. He talks. He brings to mind scriptures because you've read them. He brings them to mind. He said, well, this is a passage I need you to know. He places that person on your heart. I need you to go share your gift with them. He places an action that you need to do. 
He places something you've neglected. He brings the mind to sin. James tells us he honors eager prayer. He honors uh, honest prayer. He honors uh, a consistent prayer. And so our priorities, we have to check our priorities. Is my priorities when I'm talking to God right? A lot of times that's, that's the number one thing we're getting wrong is our priorities are wrong. But then there are other things too, right? Sometimes God doesn't, hear, he doesn't answer our prayers or we don't hear his answers because we don't see the big picture that he sees. I mean, think about the Old Testament, right? You got that Old Testament passage. Think about the, the people that go to slavery in the Exodus, book of Exodus, right? They're in slavery. How long are they in slavery? Someone tell me. 430 years. That is a long time. And you don't think that during 430 years, not one of them said, God, deliver us from slavery. Imagine a lot of them said that. And they honestly prayed that. And they honestly wanted it. And they were good, honest Jews. And some of them started doubting their faith. Started turning to the Egyptian gods. And he knew that. That's part of why we have the ten plagues of Egypt. Because he's at war with the gods of Egypt at that moment. In the minds and the hearts of the, Egypt, of the Israelite people. And he says, so not, but God saw a bigger picture. Said in the completeness of time. I want to deliver you. And bring you up out of the land. And bring you to this promised land, this land flowing of uh, milk and honey is how it's usually translated. Could be like fruit juice and dates, but um, but it's this. I want to bring you to this place when it's time. Or how about Elijah? You remember Elijah? He's one of my favorite prophets in the Bible. He doesn't get his own book. I wish he had his own book. Elijah is one of my favorites. He prays, God, stop the rain. And you know what God does? He stops the rain. And I bet there are honest, good, faithful Jews that are farmers saying, God, I need some rain on my field. And God, and to them, they're feeling like, God, why are you not answering me? And God says, I've got something else I'm doing over here that this rain is going to be stopped for. You don't know it over here. But I got something else. And we have to put our faith in God that sometimes when our prayers aren't answered because something else is going on that's bigger than me. I know it's hard for us sometimes to think there are things that are bigger than me. But it's something we need to realize that there are sometimes, God's got other things going on. And he's got this bigger picture that while we eagerly await, he's got something else going on. So yet they may have had all the right priorities, but that rain was still not coming because God was honoring Elijah's prayer to stop the rain. And of course, sometimes we don't hear God's answer because of sin in our own lives. 
Sometimes it's, it's not because we're busy. It's not because of the big picture. It's not because of priority. It's because we've got something in our lives that's stopping us from hearing God. We've got something going on in our life. You're listening to a false God. You've got something going on. And I don't know what your sin is. We all struggle with something or another, don't we? And that may be, if you're not actively repenting and turning to God, there may be something that's, you know what, it's blocking you. You can't see what God is doing because you've got something else in your eyes. You got pornography in your eyes. You got drugs in your eyes. You got too much television, gossip in your life. You listen to all them lies. Or maybe you're gossiping, telling all them lies. Now, if you were in this situation, you were praying and you did not hear, what's the first thing that you heard, you prayed, you didn't hear from God, what's the first thing you would do? I'll tell you what Saul did. He turns to some people that he's already ran out. The mediums, the necromancers, the people that speak to the dead. Because he honestly wants his advisor back. Find me a woman who is a medium so that I may inquire of her. And they go to Endor. Not where the Ewoks live, just in case you're wondering. And they go to Endor, and he, he disguises himself so they don't know his Saul. And, and they, they come to him, and it says, consult a spirit for me, and bring up the one I name. And so they call on Samuel. Now, I don't have any good answers for you. A lot of you ask, well, how was this done? I don't have any good answers for you. I read... Someone said Samuel appeared as the form of a ghost. I read someone said that, spo- that Samuel spoke through the woman. And uh, the woman was, was uh, deceitful and just pretended to be Samuel. I, I read someone that it was a demon speaking to Saul. I read somewhere that it was just easier to bring people back from the dead in Sheol before Jesus. And now they're in heaven and hell and it's, it's, it's not impossible. I don't have any good answers for you. The Bible doesn't tell us because it's not important. In fact, those who originally were reading it would have just assumed this behavior was normal. We'd make that, we make those kind of assumptions all the time, right? We don't fully explain things because the people around us know what we're talking about. Let's take an easy one. PB&J. Y'all know what a PB&J is. You like it, you don't like it. You like it a certain way. Some of you like bananas on it. Only grape jelly. You know, you, but PB&J, you all understand what a PB&J is. A thousand years from now, you say PB&J and they'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was assumed that this was something that you would understand. So all those questions you have, don't ask me. I don't know. But I do know that the Spirit of Samuel comes and the Bible assumes that this is really Samuel speaking to Saul. And he comes and Samuel, who was supposed to be the savior of the moment, the one who's going to give him the great advice how to save himself from this bad moment, how to get himself out of this situation, 
Samuel curses Saul for looking for a dead man to tell him what to do. And as I was reading that passage, I thought, how many times do we do things like this in our own lives? Looking to people that aren't biblically sound, aren't Christ, aren't even there to help us, don't know what's going on, we, we turn to them for our help. Oh yeah, our first response was to turn to God. We prayed, and then we didn't feel we got what the answer we needed or wanted or couldn't hear or whatever was going on. And, our, and, so you, and the, then our, our next Response is, well, I'm going to read my self-help book that obviously might have some good pointers in it, but it's not the Bible. It's not Christ. It doesn't know what situation you're in. It can't read into it. There is no one answer for every person. That's why these, there's a million self-help books because they all have something maybe good in them, and they, but your situation is different from this situation. It's just not going to work. We turn to our friend. And there's nothing wrong with seeking biblical counsel. Biblical counsel is good. We turn to those people in Christ. Say, I'm not hearing God speak. What's going on? Can you speak into this situation? And they pray and maybe they hear from God. That's healthy. But when we turn to those people and say, what do you think about the situation? And they're not people that are going to spend time in prayer. They're not walking in Christ. They're they're just your chum who would rather go get a beer than actually talk about your problems. That's not going to help you. And sometimes you, you say, well, I'm going to talk to someone who's about Christ, that, someone who's a biblical counselor, someone who's going to actually help me, but then you don't want to hear what they have to say either because you're not listening to God either. So we turn to other things too, Right? Turn to the icebox. That refrigerator is going to help me solve my problems. We laugh, but we do it all the time. I'm going to find comfort in that next bowl of ice cream. I just know it. I want to find cookie. That next co- cookie is going to make me feel all better. That piece of pie is going to make it all better. And we do it all the time. And where's that lead us? Wanting another piece of pie. (laughs) And fat and healthy. I'm going to turn to the TV. It's going to tell me what to do. You know, it's got Superman on it. He'll tell me what to do. Or I got a whole book of mama-isms, grandma-isms. She's dead. She can't actually know what's going on, but I got a whole book of them. We turn to things all the time that actually aren't going to help us. And so I think about that as I think about, like, what do we do in our lives? Our response has to be when we can't hear God, when we feel like He's not answering, our response, what's the first thing you have to do when you feel like you don't, uh, you can't hear God? You know what the first thing you do? Is turn to God again. Pray again. Pray again. And you know what? When you don't hear it, pray again. And pray again. And pray again. Because he honors consistent, 
honest prayers. Till we get to the point where he either makes something happen or changes our mind. And what's the Bible tells us as we pray, we have to check our priorities. We have to say, am I really praying something that's of God? And how do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us the answer, right? It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. Does this match up with God? Test the spirits, another passage says. Does this match up with God? Does it match up with God? If my priorities, if what I'm praying for doesn't match up with God, God, I really need you to give me a swimming pool so I can baptize people. It's probably not the priorities he's looking for. He said, I gave you a beautiful lake. It's cold. Go down there. If he blesses you with a swimming pool, fantastic. It's hot here. It's not about baptizing people. Is it about God? Am I seeking first his kingdom? Or am I seeking first my kingdom? What I want, what I want. I want all my problems to just disappear in a snap of the fingers. I want that. And you know what? I want that for you too. But you know what's not gonna happen? It's not gonna disappear at the snap of the fingers. That's just not how it works. He says, seek first my kingdom. That in the end, because in the end, there's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth and I want you to seek first that kingdom to become here because it's better than anything you can magic up for yourself. It's better than that image you can think for yourself. It's better than that, 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 that TV show, what it can imagine for yourself. I want you to seek the kingdom that's to come first. Bring it here. Try to get it here by seeking out my righteousness, my way of life. So we ask you, what's my priorities? We ask ourselves, what's the big picture here? And then we trust God because he sees stuff we just don't. And we say, I want my pain to suffering to end, and I want it for you too. And you can learn to cope with it, but you know what? There are things in life you just won't get over. You have to go through them, you have to learn to cope. And then trust God that though we, what's the Bible say? Though we, Psalms, right? Well, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not that we go around the valley of the shadow of death. No, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. His rod and thy staff, they comfort us. One is to guide us. Another one's to protect us as we go through it. And we trust God. That's what prayer is. It's our open communication with the Father and an open trust with Him. And sometimes we have to just keep praying until God changes our mind and gives us answers. Like those slaves, 430 years. Just keep praying. And we turn to people that are godly praying with us. You ask your, the people that are close in your life, the people that you can trust, the people that are godly in your life, pray with me. 
As a community, we pray. We don't have to do this alone. We're not supposed to do it alone. We're made for community. We pray, God, pray with me. I can't hear him. Maybe you can. Speak into my life. I don't want you speaking unless you're praying. A lot of times we, we ask people and they, they start talking before they start praying, right? How many of you are guilty of that, right? You say, I got this going in my life. Well, let me tell you about how you can solve that issue. I read in this magazine where the Bible says, it says, have you prayed about this? Let's pray before we start talking. We turn to God first. So my ask, my question is, where do you turn? Where's you turn? Father God, Lord, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for your wonderful spirit that is blessed upon us. Lord, I pray that we as a community may turn to you. Lord, I know that sometimes we don't hear your words. Sometimes we don't hear your voice. Sometimes we don't see your ashes. Lord, I pray that we may be faithful even in those times. Lord, that through your trust, your faith, that we may turn to you. Lord, I pray that we may have faith in you. Lord, I pray for those who are suffering right now. Lord, that you will guide them through this time of suffering. And they may hear your voice. And you may lead them out. Lord, I pray for those who are turning to things that are not you. And trying to get your results. Lord, I pray for those who have been wronged by people using your name wrongly and using it to hurt others. Lord, I pray that you will restore that trust in your name and bring them to healing because your name has been hurt. Lord, I pray that you would heal us and help us to turn to you first, even in times we cannot hear you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.